Hello and welcome to the Women Today podcast, where this week it's been fairly interesting. We were joined live by Bags the Brand. We taught tattoos and tennis and one of our guests tried and, okay, actually succeeded to read our minds. Our guest today is a professional mentalist who has performed all over the world and for a number of celebrities over the year. Um, Robert Williams professional mentalist really is that really your job title um yeah one of many but that would be a, a job title of such yes what exactly does it mean well a mentalist is a, another term for magic of the mind um now probably best to say from the outset i don't claim to have any special powers as such but i do claim to have a high level of intuition and that intuition allows me with some mentalism skills to get some good results when i deal with people lovely people like your good selves do you know i'm actually really scared um throughout the program you are going to be sort of proving your skills to us and as you say you don't claim to have any special powers mm-hmm. but what is it then that you are actually able to do well as i said a lot of what i do is based on natural intuition we all have that you can go back to the animal world and they have it when it talks about weather conditions how animals might just run for cover well before the bad weather is to come that's on one level um, i think we all have an innate ability to have high level intuition how often does it happen you're simply thinking of someone telephone rings in the stem it's intuition Maybe even in your case, when you're not presenting, you think of a song that comes on the radio in the car. Again, it's intuition. Um, in my case, I've been lucky that from a young age, I've had an ability where, to be honest with you, as I get older, my intuition seems to get higher. But again, I want to stress I don't claim special powers because I'm also a trained mentalist. And as a mentalist, I have many, many tools at my disposal to get me where I want to get. It's quite different, though, isn't it, to having a sort of a natural sense of intuition and then making a career out of it. When did you first think, oh, you know, this is something I could do for a living? Um, I think I, I discovered that pretty early on. Um, I was always surprised myself, to be honest, and I don't want to sound pretentious, how I may even have a dream, I certainly would think about something to somebody, and then it would literally come true. And I thought, well, I wonder if I could bring this on a stage environment and bring it out to the public and see the interest and do it with, as I said to you earlier on, I, I believe mentalism is an art and it's a beautiful art. If I can combine my intuition with that beautiful art, you can get some really astonishing results. And I've been lucky that over the years I've managed to produce that. Isn't it just, though, about... I don't know, being really good at reading body language and that sort of thing, just understanding people really well. Um, I think that's one small facet of it. Again, to, to distance myself from any highfalutin claims, I think we all can do that. I mean, let's be honest, when we all met each other today, we all formed an opinion of each other. We may not necessarily have said it. The difference is I know what you were thinking of me when you first met me. Um, but that said, so even on that basic level, you think about that and then you just take it a bit further and say, OK, so where do we go with that? Was I right? Was I wrong with that person? And invariably over the years, I tend to be a little bit more correct than most. And can you tell us what you thought that we were thinking of you? Um, it is a daytime show. <laughs> <laughs> now you do say this isn't in any way a form of mediumship or supernatural no. power and I just wonder what you think about people who claim to have that um, I have to say I wouldn't be a fan of that um, I wouldn't necessarily I, I think it's a bit unsavoury depending on how far these claims go um, you know, I think in an entertainment context it's perfect but I think when we start going into the realms of other stuff that perhaps people are claiming to do that is, in my opinion, completely impossible, then I think it becomes a bit unsavoury. But then again, that's, if they want to do that, that's, that's theirs. It's not my bag of tricks, if you excuse the pun. Do you already know what I'm going to ask you? I do, so you better be quick or I'll just tell you in advance. We're talking tennis now because Wimbledon centre court spectators have come under fire from a top female player because of the way they reacted to grunting during a match yesterday. Now, Victoria Azarenka has hit out at the crowd for laughing at the noises that she and opponent Serena Williams are making. Azarenka actually lost in three sets as Williams remained on course to complete a calendar grand slam. Uh, but much of the talk after that match was about those noises made by both players when hitting the ball. Azarenka says the topic has been blown out of proportion. Do you? What do you think? Is the grunting and grunting? 
groaning really necessary or is it a distraction when it comes to this sport? Howard, you are a Wimbledon fan. Mm. You were actually there last weekend. Yes. Uh, what do you make of it? It's something that's been around for quite a while. I was thinking back, I mean, maybe Monica Sellis was one of the first ones who was a noticeable grunter. Uh, if you went back to the days of Billie Jean King and uh, Anne Jones and Yvonne Goulagong, of course, Chrissy Evert, they were much, much quieter. Having said that, you looked at it, it was nowhere near as physical a game. I think Joe would say, you know, again, if you played tennis a long time ago, the wooden rackets, it was a, a slower game. The, the ball was slower, the courts were slower. You had the wooden rackets, which didn't have the tension in the strings. So it wasn't anywhere near as physical, I'm guessing, over the years, as there's no doubt that the women become an awful lot stronger, faster. Uh, the ball, you see how hard they hit it now. And I'm assuming in, in training that they are encouraged, rather like weightlifters, to get everything out and mm, you put everything into your shot. And I think fair play. You know, I don't think I'd be able to hit a ball that hard without making a little bit of noise. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on a mm. minute, Howard. Mm. You just said, Joe, you'll remember the wooden rackets. Can we go back to that comment, yeah. please? When you started with the long skirt and the hat on, uh, it was... Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you know, it really frustrates me. And um, mm. I know people that have been to Wimbledon as well, Howard, and they can't actually, they've walked out because they can't bear the noise. Do you know Sharapova, for instance, she reaches 101 decibels. A lion's roar is 110. So her screaming and her shrieking is incredibly off-putting. And we have had some comments also on Facebook about it. Yeah, there were, just before we come to that, yeah. though, there has been a study which says um, that making those sort of noises are good for you. It's good for your game. Paul, any thoughts? Yeah, it, it certainly doesn't bother me. And I think if you know they're putting the effort in, then they're going to make the noise. Golf, cricket, <laughs> baseball, they hit the ball pretty hard. Do you ever hear them grunting? I don't think I've ever listened. Right, I think we don't need uh, to, Mike, uh, any to talk thoughts? about anymore. Then. Yeah, I have to side with Joe on this one. I think it's, um, I think it's just a bit too much. I think the Williams sisters did it for a while. Sharapova started doing it, mm. uh, I guess. But now I think it's become each woman is now trying to outroar the other one, and I think it's it's become a bit of a distraction. No, we're talking tennis. We're talking about the women here. But the men make a flipping amount of noise <laughs> as well. Look how amazing Federer is. He doesn't grunt, and he is mm. a delight to watch. He, he's fantastic to watch. Yeah, I have to say, sorry, I'm with. I never thought I'd say this. I'm, I'm on Joe's side on this one. <laughs> and there oh, is, and yeah, there, there, there is a certain um, sexism thing about this. That yeah, that, um, it's women normally playing against women, and it does seem to be a contest in recent years about grunting each other. Whereas the men's match doesn't seem to have that, and I don't see why there is this difference bet- between the two. Um, I have to admit, it doesn't put me off, but I just find it. I, I find it ridiculously silly and entertaining, really. But I can only see. I can only really remember Andrea Agassi that was one that would made the grunting noise. But the comments on Facebook, we've had Susie saying that she had to turn it off yesterday because all that grunting was far too much to bear and totally unnecessary. Gaynor, it puts me off watching the match. Emma, no, Sharapova was unbearable when I was there last week. Uh, Louise, no, I hate it. And again, Rachel, no. So, Beth, I think we've won this argument. Okay, Michael says the grunting and shrieking renders women's tennis unwatchable to both my wife and me, although I will watch Serena if she's playing someone less loud. Sharapova is by far the worst. And when she was playing as a ranker, I lasted about 30 seconds. Okay, all stick, right. Stick the TV on mute and enjoy your strawberries and cream. Yeah, fine. I mean, I have to say, you know, when it comes to people making unnecessary noise, Joe, I mean, I do agree. Now, my guest this afternoon rose to fame on the BBC show The Apprentice. I consider myself an absolutely fantastic salesman. Everything I touch turns to sold. People aspire to have a a flash sports car, maybe a house in the country. I've got all that already. Where's my glass ceiling? I don't have one. I am Stuart Baggs, the brand. I'm confident, I'm unique, and I'm successful. 
Stuart Baggs, is there any part of you that listens back to that and just cringes? We interrupt this broadcast to announce that Beth Espy has now been sacked from Max Radio and replaced <laughs> with um, men and women's hour. So thanks very much. I'll be leading the show today. The weather, it's great, isn't it? What do you think today about the weather there? <laughs> Stop changing am I, the subject. Am I, am I thinking no? Are you quite proud of what you did there? Uh, I think um, probably best. Can I pass? Is it like pointless? Yeah, I just kind of want to say though, you know, what, what was it you said? I'm not a one-trick pony, a field full of ponies. I just mm. wonder at what point you thought that was a good idea, given how people were going to perceive that. I think there's many things in my life that it's clear that I now regret. Um, I don't think listing them one by one is really going to help the nation in any way. How true to life is the Apprentice programme that we watch on television then compared to actually being in it? Um, Well, I am just as terrible in real life as people will know so from that aspect it's quite true but um no it's different people always say like well why didn't you just google that you can't go on the internet you can't do anything like that you're not allowed to the show is is very heavily formatted it's it's actually filmed intensely over one and a half months you can't speak to your family you can't speak to your friends it's designed to make you make mistakes and obviously if you're an idiot like me anyway oh oh you're gonna make mistakes you know is that really how you think of yourself at the time yeah i mean i think in honesty the reason i went on the apprentice if i can level with the nation was I wasn't particularly successful I say that like I am now I wasn't particularly successful with women and I thought yeah this'll this this'll do the trick um which is ironic because I'm on uh, women today um and it hasn't worked lately so if you are out there interested in dating a not so handsome single man this isn't a dating show uh, why not why isn't it I thought women's women today was about dating women is this not what it's for I tell you if anybody wants to text in for a date you know we're quite happy to pass on any details it's That'd no be problem. great yeah but I mean this certainly didn't put you off reality tv though did it um, stick to what you know, um, you know, which is probably uh, radio for you. Great radio, Sony award-winning radio, maybe not. But um, no, it's uh, <laughs> hey, you dig me at the start of the show. No, uh, yeah, it's, it's the kind of thing I want to regret the things in life that I I didn't do, not all the, all the things that I, I you know I did. So I don't want to be thinking, well, what if I'd done that? And you know, going to South Africa with Christopher Biggins on Channel Five that probably no one with a job watched. Um, who cares? But it's still fun, hey, still fun. Do you see yourself? as a celebrity oh god no absolutely not i mean uh, i've met people that consider themselves celebrities and they are horrible creatures by and large you hear about people saying that they just want a bowl full of blue m&ms i've seen things like that and worse you know why is my steak pie not hot enough yada yada and christopher biggins was really the epitome of that clicking his fingers asking people to bring him things so no i'm a businessman i'm not a celebrity you know i'm I'm barely a human being i don't think it uh it qualifies me to call myself a celebrity at all i'd be horrendously arrogant but do you get stopped in the street do people recognize you and, and sort of feel almost that they know you yeah, and I, they do, and half the reaction is people going, you're fired, which, just to alert the nation now, it is hilarious the first few thousand times I heard it, but now I just chuckle inside. Um, but yeah, I mean, most people actually, by and large, are really supportive because, you know, they're just nice people. You do get the occasional, um, you know, person who, who I described them accurately would land you with a fine for swearing on air. Um, but it, it, honestly, it's such a small minority. The large, the large majority of people are just, you know, genuinely lovely. But does it bug you that you didn't win The Apprentice? Does it actually sit well with you or...? You say I didn't win. But what's the prize? If you look at it as the job with Lord Sugar, which at the time it was, then no, I didn't win. If you look at life experience, if you look at actually skills, um, then I think I did win because without it, I wouldn't have a business now. I wouldn't have a, the life that I have now for better or for worse. So, you know, we're, we're, all, <laughs> we're all winners in our own way. Uh, but in another more accurate way, I am, I am the loser as such. Oh, I was going to say that. I mean, you're saying you're, you're a businessman, first mm. and foremost, so you see yourself. But 
was it useful from from your development as a businessman doing it? The one thing, the only one thing that it's given me is before I did The Apprentice, I had nerves when doing things like public speaking. I know you probably think, how could he possibly be nervous in the slightest? But I was, and now I can do anything and think, well, it's nowhere near as nerve-wracking as sitting in front of 12 TV cameras and, you know, or doing or doing other things that I've done. Um, you know, I've done things like Edinburgh Festival show before, um, and hopefully we'll get to touch on that later. But... Um, yeah, it's given me that. I, nothing really phases me anymore. So when someone wants to turn around and, and throw a problem in my way, it's it's nothing compared to what I've already dealt with. Did you really say that you would be the ideal replacement for Alan Sugar? Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly ugly enough. I think that's a, that's a given. I, I look like a wrinkled, shriveled prune. Um, but yeah, I, I think The Apprentice, the problem is it gives off the impression to people that actually to be succeed in business, you need to be nasty, you need to be horrible. Uh, you need to be. You don't need to do any of those things. I've not achieved anything that I've done by being nasty to anybody. In fact, quite the opposite. You've got to be nice because if you're nasty to one person, they don't forget. I'm really interested in this impression that you keep giving over about yourself and the way you describe yourself because there is, I mean it is comical. But I just I just wonder what is it that's behind that? What is it that has led you to almost be so self-defensive? I, I don't know, to be quite honest with you. I, I think that um, there's very much you, you, you get portrayed in a certain way on a show like The Apprentice, and it's very easy to remain in that um, tram tracks, you know, just keep going straight, and, and people think that's what you are. But in, in reality, you know, I'm, I'm a completely different person. Those that know me know that I'm actually you know, it's completely, yeah, completely different. But people will uh, think that they've met you, people think that they know you based on what they see on television and they have preconceived ideas. People, believe it or not, think that after Come Dine With Me, I can't cook when I'm actually a Michelin-starred chef. Um, I'm also a fantastic liar. One of those two things is true. Well, we have had a text in from Danielle, who's 25, a beautiful blonde female who would love to take you on a date and uh, I am to pass her number on. So uh, get your pen and paper ready. I'm a little bit scared of looking at you because also the other you thing you do be, is, you, is yeah. hypnosis and yes. I'm really scared. You should be extremely scared. Yeah, well, I feel a little bit unnerved. Um, you look a bit unnerved. You shouldn't be unnerved. I mean, I'm a nice man. Okay. I really am. Okay, all right. So I just wonder, with a, with a skill like you claim to have, yes. do you find it very easy to make decisions? I mean, you're yes. a gut instinct kind of person. I do. Um, I was saying off air that I also run a business and um, it's helped me an awful lot in the business environment because I tend to make snap decisions based on my intuition that allow me to, uh, as I said, make pretty pretty important decisions. And I would tend to do it on the basis that I just feel it's right to do. So, yeah, to answer your question, absolutely. It's helped me a lot. But how much time do we have? Uh, we've got we've got plenty of time. OK. I know you don't want to look at me, but you're going to have to look at me a little bit. OK, I'm looking. Coming over on the flight, um, I bought a bit of reading. It's actually a couple of books that I was hoping to use earlier on. We, we couldn't do the filming early on because unfortunately there was a, an accident with the tram. Thankfully nobody was hurt. Um, but I did pick up a magazine. It's a Business Eye magazine, okay? Summer edition. What I want you to do, I want you to hold on that magazine. Okay, I'm holding magazine, Business Eye, that you picked up on the plane on the way over? Yes, okay. summer edition, I believe. Uh, it's a bit scattered. I'm going to tell you the truth. I didn't actually pay for it, but anyhow. What's <laughs> going to happen now is, and by the way, during the show, uh, the live shows, what I do with the first half of the show is I try to introduce to people some of the stuff I would have earned, learned at an early age. And one of the things I learned from an early age was the ability sometimes to be able to pick up on things from a book or a magazine. So I want to try that now. But before we do, to make it even more impossible, I want to set the scene. Howard's to my right. Joe is to my left, you're right in front of me. The sceptics could say, well, perhaps I can see what you're doing. So to prevent any of that happening, what I brought along with me is a blindfold. Okay. So I don't want you to do anything just yet, uh, but I want Joe to assist me. Joe, I want you to confirm that, first of all, this is a blindfold. You cannot see through that, can you? 
No, you can't see anything through it. I was just as well because Bet was pulling faces at you. And what I want you to do now, I'm going to turn around. Can you still hear me okay? You're going to get that blindfold and I'm going to look at Howard and you're going to put that blindfold on me. And as you do, I get the distinct impression it's not the first time you use a blindfold, is it? I feel it's a bit 50 shades of grey going on here. <laughs> in fact, this is, well, I shouldn't have said this, you know, cut the blood supply off to my head. The one thing I wanted to ask, in fact, was when uh, I take the blindfold off, please all still be here. <laughs> okay, so everybody convinced I can't see a thing? Okay, yeah, yes. okay. I can confirm okay. the blindfold is definitely on. Okay, all right. Is that your hand, Joe? Yeah, I'm just moving you to the Thankfully microphone your just hand. slightly. Okay. I wasn't yeah. sure what it was, but that's okay. <laughs> it's your hand, yeah? It's my hand. Oh, this all is right. getting weirder. Go on. All right, Beth, what I want you, you got a magazine in your hand. I have. I want you to open up that magazine to anywhere you want. Um, now, this may not work, okay, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. But what I want you to do, I want you to zone in on a word, any word. The only stipulation I would ask you is let that word please be challenging because you want to challenge me. Would you please make the word seven letters or more if you possibly can? Okay, hang on, I'm just counting. Uh, please, uh, Howard and Joe, don't, don't look at what she's doing and don't try and look at any okay. word. Particularly, Joe, I don't want you to say any word at all, okay? Okay. Have you got a word in your mind? I've got a word. Uh, challenging word? I'd say it's fairly challenging. Okay, yeah. it's a long word? It's a long word. Close up the magazine. Okay. All right. I'm going to take the blindfold off in a few moments' time. Joe, will you help me, please? I could have done it myself, but your hands are so, so soft. So, so, so. It's very nice. It's very, very nice. Okay. I don't want to see the magazine oh, just yet. Um, okay. What I want you to do, though, actually, I'm going to try a little bit different. You don't know each other very long. Howard, I'm going to introduce you later on. You don't know each other very long. So sometimes I do this. I'll hell, to hell with it, I'll do it. The words you're thinking of. Yeah. I want you to think the first letter of that word. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what I want you to do, Joe, and this is very, very instinctive. This ties into what you asked me. Joe, I want you to, in a few moments, I call it the first letter comes into your mind. Now, Beth, this is very important. If she gets the letter correct, please tell her. But don't tell her the word. If she gets the letter wrong, that's also fine. Okay. okay. So look at Joe. Try and send okay. her the first letter of that word. I'm sending the letter, Joe. I'm sending the letter. Um, Joe, vibes. What, what letter do you think? N. Is it an N, Beth? No. Tell her the first letter. G. Okay, G. <sighs> okay. Um, you're still thinking of the word? Yep. It's not ideal. Normally when I do this on a stage environment, I would have a book or a magazine just like this and I would turn to the person and I would try and tell them what the word is. It's going to be a bit more difficult. I may, it may not work, okay? I want you to look at me. I want you to give me your hand. Okay, I'm reaching over. I've only got little arms. They're Sorry. holding hands okay. now. You see, we're best of friends, really. Okay, this is going to get a little bit serious, if that's all right, because I want you to really concentrate on this word for me. It may not work. Look at me. What I want you to do, I want you to think of the context of the word. For example, if the word was aeroplane, you would think of something that flies in the sky, something that brings people to their destination. You got the idea? Mm-hmm. So think of the context. Okay. Are you having emotions that are quite nice, pride, but a little bit tinged with, not sadness, but... Yeah, maybe. Okay. Uh, okay, look at me. I want you to just squeeze my hand a little bit. Squeeze in. Okay, that's my hand. <laughs> it is. Think of the word. Okay, so now, now to get the distinct impression looking at you, this word has something got to do with something that we're hopefully all going to achieve someday in our life. Yeah? Perhaps. It's not always a, a given. Mm-hmm. Um, the word. In fact, you know the Hollywood sign in America? I want you to take the Hollywood sign down and I want you to replace that word that you're thinking of instead of the Hollywood word. And I want you to start, in your mind, start spelling it for me now. Did you just stop there? In fact, in your mind, very slowly when I ask you to, I want you to start spelling it slowly now. Stop. Did you just stop or are you about to stop on the letter N? Yes. There's an N in it, maybe. Look at me, look at me. Think of the word. <laughs> Keep saying the word over and over and over again in your mind. Is there any word you could have seen this word? Did mm, I look at you? No, 
Well, you didn't look at me while you were while I was looking in the magazine. Okay. Look at me. Think of the word. This is something we all hope to achieve someday. It's not always a guarantee. It's something that happens when we get a bit older, isn't that right? Yes. It's something that <laughs> you're looking a little bit perturbed, don't? <laughs> it's, it's something. It's something. It's something. Be honest with me. Is the word you're thinking of grandchildren? It is. Yeah. Whoa. But then, could you have just worked that out? Because I told you it started with a G, and then oh, I don't know. No, I'm trying. Well, I'm, I'm sorry if 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 that's if no. that's if that if that's gonna. <laughs> that's pretty. Well, let me show incredible. the magazine to Joan Howard. Um, it's an everyday magazine. It's fairly tattered. It's got words upon words upon words. Beth, how are you feeling right now? Yeah, I'm all right. Yes. I'm, I'm, Come on, Mrs. Cynical there. Pants. No, that's how fine. No, no, I, right I, listen, by the way, Joe, I'm fine with that. But honestly, I can tell you here and now, when you were looking at me, I don't know, I felt, and this might sound a bit silly to the listeners, but I felt a bit of magnetism in your hand. I felt like a little bit of a, you know, like static. Did you feel anything in your hand? No. I genuinely did. I'll be honest with you, I did. And I felt also that you were nervous and don't take this the wrong way. I felt part of you wanted me to get the word and part of you didn't want me to get the word. Is that right? I, I don't know. I'm, I am feeling a little bit Confused. weird about the whole thing. Well, don't, don't, don't because I'll tell you, as, as, as we said earlier, I mean, I am also a hypnotist. And in, in, yeah. in, in another environment, what I could have done there was I could have actually hypnotized you during that process because that process is very close to hypnosis. In fact, if I wanted to, you could have easily been induced, so to speak, and that would have created a whole different situation where suddenly now you're talking very different than what you're doing today. But again, that's the stuff we do in the show. Can I ask you, can you hypnotize it to be much more lovely to me? Can that happen? That will never happen. That would be very difficult. Oh. But I would try. Now, we're talking <laughs> tattoos because they really do seem to have the Marmite effect. You either love them or hate them. But for some people, they really do have a very significant purpose. Take Coronation Street superfan Martin Hett, who got a tattoo of Deirdre Barlow on his leg. If you haven't seen it, go to the Women's Day Facebook page. Uh, now, the character officially left the show this week after the death of actress Anne Kirkbride back in January. And Martin says she was the heart of the show and it just won't be the same without her. My name is Martin Hett. I'm 27 and I've been a Coronation Street super fan my entire life, but mainly I've been a Deirdre Barlow super fan. She's always been my favourite character. I was mesmerised by her as a small child. I loved her right up until the very end. Um, I like her because the actress who plays her is incredibly talented. She's very versatile. She's given us really high drama, but she's also given us so many comedic moments. This is an actress who has managed to make her character known worldwide by people who don't even watch the show. And I think it takes a very talented actress to achieve that. So obviously, um, the day I found out that Anne Kirkbride had passed away, I was incredibly sad. Now, before she died, I had actually planned to have a tattoo of Deirdre Barlow. Um, because I kind of feel, you know, people have their favourite musicians, immortalises tattoos and people like that. So why not, you know, somebody that I look up to? I know it's unusual, but I don't know, it works for me. So um, when I found out that Anne had passed, I decided that I should get a move on. Of course, I chose the iconic photo from where she was in prison because that was her most memorable storyline, I think, out of all of them. Now that Anne Kirkbride has passed away, I don't think Coronation Street will ever be the same again, to be honest with you, but I will continue to watch it. Um, as I say... To be honest, he keeps going. I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> Suffice to say, he was a Coronation Street fan and uh, the the tattoo is, is pretty impressive. It's a very good likeness, but would you really? No, no, not at all. I don't think I would.
if you're asking me, that is. <laughs> um, but it's just, like I say, I mean, tattoos are those things that really, uh, I don't know, people got very, very strong views about them one way or the other. Um, we're joined in the studio by Ed Oldham, who um, I, I think it'd be fair to say you don't mind them. I've got one or two You've got on one my or arms. Two. Yes, one or so, two. So, I mean, literally, your arms, for anybody who hasn't seen your arms, and I'm sure there will be some people, um, you're literally covered. Both your arms are actually covered in them. Why? Shoulder to wrist. Yeah, um, it's something that I'd always wanted from a, quite a young age. Uh, specifically sleeves as they're known as so from the shoulder to the wrist um, but for years I didn't really know what I wanted to get and then when I made the decision to do all music related stuff like band related artwork um, of artists and bands that I love um, and managed to find someone that was happy to get t- tattooed by which was only four years ago so I only really started when I was 30, 31 um, I decided to go for it Are you not worried though at some point in the future you're going to think oh, I wish I hadn't? No, I don't think so. Not with the ones that I've picked, because I thought about them for a long, long time. Now, that's one thing I think, you know, if someone is thinking about getting a tattoo, make sure you know exactly what you want and really, really consider it and consider will you want it down the line, because getting them removed is not a pleasant practice at all. And getting them put on, is it sore? Depends where it is. Um, if you're talking about the shoulder or the upper arm on the outside, you, it's virtually nothing. It's it's more like an irritation than a pain. But then you can go to other parts down the uh, the inside of the forearms where the tendons are, um, just next to the palm of your hand. When you get tattooed in there, it makes your tendons like vibrate, so it makes your fingers twitch, which is a very very strange experience. And parts around the inner part of the elbow can be quite uh, quite painful. I'm not going to lie to you. I'd say I've got my eyeliner tattooed and that is that is a very strange feeling when you have that done and again people kind of but dubious about it being close to the eye but oh, it's the best thing I've ever done why um, so I don't ever have to wear eyeliner makeup I don't ever have to put it on myself which I, A I'm not very good at and B it just mm. takes up too much time and it just opens your eyes when you're feeling really tired well, you don't, you, the same questions we had before really you wouldn't be worried that down the line you might think you know what I don't want the eyeliner it on it fades down after 18 months it kind of and if you just didn't retop it up it would just fade away completely okay okay, okay. Pip um, throughout the show I've been trying to get you to tell us some embarrassing stories would you like to tell us your embarrassing tattoo story have you got one of Tweety Pie or, or a television character somewhere sadly I haven't got one but um, we did have a guest some years ago and um, he would quite proudly show us the tattoo that was um, on his back of Maria Costello and she had actually um, she'd seen it and she'd then um, like autographed it and her name was then um, tattooed um, tattooed in so he is a she would find fan. that as quite an honour I think she would find that as a real honour that a man is having a, a female motorcyclist you know tattooed onto him I think it's brilliant from that point of view I once had a tattoo of Patrick Moore on my bottom but it was only one of those little ones that you put on that came out you know, it would only last for a few days <laughs> they don't stay long so Alex, Alex Brinney, any uh, weird tattoos you'd like to tell us about? Uh, no, I haven't, um, uh, as you know, haven't got any at all, actually. I, years ago, I, um, I, I I don't know, I was very, very anti them. I couldn't even tell you why. Um, I'm a terrible commitment phobe, so it's probably the fact that, um, as you were saying, Ed, if you think down the line, will I still want this? And I change my mind so often about things and my tastes in this. I mean, my hairstyles over the years have been testament to that, um, that I would just be too scared to have anything tattooed on because um, I'm a funny feeling 
thing in two years' time, we'd be like, ooh, I want to change it. Although I do like the fact that Joe's um, excuse for having a tattoo, you rarely hear laziness um, of being able to no, put on your eyeliner uh, as an excuse well. for a tattoo. Uh, some comments from Facebook. Amy, I love tattoos, uh, but this would be a little bit too far for me. We're talking specifically about Deirdre Barlow, but they're meant to be a form of self-expression. And if Deirdre means enough to this man to get a tattoo of her, then who are we to judge? Kate says, brilliant. I guess if he's happy with it, then why the heck not? And uh, Susie says she's speechless. She was famous for her sense of humour, so I think uh, Deirdre would have found that hilarious. I think that was a good point that was made by one person there as well. For mo- I would include myself in this, and I would hope most people would think this about their own as well. You get tattoos for yourself, really. So when people say, oh, I can't believe you've got that done, I can't believe... Well, that's kind of irrelevant because it's it's the person's own personal choice, and if that's what they want, then why not? Thanks, as always, to our amazing guests. And as ever, it's never too late for you to get involved. Head over to Facebook, find the Women Today Facebook page, and you can comment there, or you can follow us at MR Women Today on Twitter. And you can listen again to the full programmes on manxradio.com or join us every weekday live from just after two o'clock.